0: Good
1: time of the day and welcome to another episode of and when I say I mean I am your first host Austin
0: and I am your second host Adrian
1: so uh, welcome back we are talking about uh, Martin Luther King Jr. and what he stood for and what he what I like what he stands for the, the continuing relevancy of Martin Luther King to this day. Specifically, we're going to be talking about his last speech, um, which is just, like, haunting and prophetic and beautiful and amazing because Martin Luther King Jr. can give a speech. He, uh, he's a master. I, I recommend, st- like, don't listen to us. Listen to, go find his speech, um... Often called the, the the mountaintop speech, or we've been to the mountaintop, um, to, or like a speech to Tennessee Striker, Memphis Strikers, nineteen sixty eight. So,
0: yeah, if you if you haven't listened to it, which I don't know why you would have, but maybe you have before, uh, but stop listening to this episode right now. Mm. Find it on YouTube. I just listened to it today and listened to it. It's like forty-five minutes or whatever, but it's worth it. And then come back and finish the rest of this episode.
1: Yeah, because uh, he he can give a speech. Listen to "I Have a Dream." Incredible. Too, if you haven't, do it. It's it's worth it. Because yesterday in was a uh, Martin Luther King Day, so he's a he's an amazing man. If anyone deserves amazing. to have a day in American history, it's Martin Luther King Jr. So his speech, he is in Memphis, Tennessee, and he's delivering it to a group of pastors who have gathered who he's trying to get their support for a strike of sanitation workers in the city of Memphis. They're striking for better rights, uh, better pay, better time, just better working conditions all around. Um, So the speech starts off with him explaining that, and then kind of his – it's it, it starts kind of businessy, his outline of uh, how they can use what they have, even if it's, you know, little, to have a big change in the world. It's, you know, his plan from the beginning. We're not going to achieve change by trying to, like, fight people. We've got to take everything that – you know, white people, the government are throwing at them and just persevere through that. And that's what's going to change people. Um, And then he talks about using the the financial resources that they have to boycott whoever's, you know, not doing the right thing, Um, which I guess we'll talk about this later, but that seemed like a very... Twenty seventeen, I guess it's twenty eighteen now, but like a very twenty eighteen thing to to do, like using your money to support or not support causes. Um. Yeah, and when he when he talks about nonviolence, he has a really great, like stirring passage about the things that they've been through, and how that has changed people. Um, everything he says is is great and stirring, though, so. To say that is is redundant, um, and then finally he ends it in just like an amazing, poignant, beautiful, haunting, prophetic way. He um, he talks about an assassination attempt in nineteen sixty, uh, where he said a demented woman stabs him in the chest with a knife, and the the blade is inches from his aorta, the the main artery. And he, he talks about a letter that he received from a young girl. And she says she's a white a white girl in the letter and she says, I'm glad you didn't sneeze because if he had sneezed, that would have killed him. Uh, that's how close, you know, the knife was to his to his aorta. And so then he says, Yeah I'm glad I didn't sneeze too because I was able to see all these things come to pass, the, the bus boycott and uh, the march on Washington and the protests in Selma. Um, now he's, And then he says, he's glad I didn't sneeze because I can see tonight. And then he, he closes with, so, the, the this speech is his last speech. He's assassinated the next day. Um, so the way that the speech ends is just, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, I'm just going to read some of it. We've got some difficult days ahead, but it doesn't matter with me now because I've been to the mountaintop, and I don't mind. Like anyone, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place, but I'm not concerned about that now. just want to do God's will, and he's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over, and I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. And I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. Yeah, it. It yeah, it's beautiful and like, prophetic, um, and it's just a a powerful last. Just speech, public appearance from. A hero in American history,
0: yeah, and it's so inspiring to me uh because you know you read you read Paul in Philippians um when he says to live as Christ and to die is gain, and to me, it's easy sometimes to separate Paul from like a real person um it kind of seems like, oh, here's this amazing, amazing figure or character almost like legend uh yeah exactly and then and then you hear this knowing that the very next day that he's going to go you know be killed the next day and he's saying this it's actually him saying to live i'm going to continue to pursue Mm -hmm. what god's will is um, seeing all these things go on uh, but if not if i die that's gain he's going to be um, i'll reach the promised land before before you do yeah, it's just incredible. And and it puts it more uh I don't know. It it puts it more of a human touch on it, right? Like because I think even though Martin Luther King is kind of
1: he's kind of a legend too. He,
0: he is a legend, uh but he he's closer, right? Mm-hmm. He's only, you know, he's within like 50 60, 70 years at this point
1: died the same year our, our parents were born.
0: Uh right. So he's close. He's that close. And it's possible, I think, that that the crazy thing for me, um, it's possible to get to that point where I can say to live is Christ and to die is gain. Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of the time, I don't really feel that way. Or if I'm being honest, it's it's hard to live every day like that. Um, but he's here's like this picture of a man who understands f- what it really looks like.
1: And he talks about how he doesn't have any fear like if if there's anyone who should fear for his life it's it's him at that moment like he should be and would justifiably be afraid but he knows what he's fighting for he knows the security of his faith um and it's it's amazing that he can you know be unafraid And, like, talk about an assassination attempt being stuck in a wheelchair after being stabbed in the chest for, like, months. And that's, like, his, it's like a joke. It's not really a joke, but it's, like, a a point of levity in his speech. It's, like, I'm glad I didn't sneeze. And he says that over and over again. But it's, it's like, oh, I'm glad I didn't sneeze because someone had stabbed me in the chest and I would have died if I had it's yeah so um martin luther king is rightfully remembered and his his speeches and actions i think are still incredibly relevant today things have gotten better on a whole for african americans in the united states but there's still a lot of injustice um that we see in the world today um I, I read Invisible Man by Ralph Ellison again recently, and there, the first time I read it was in high school, before you know police shootings happened frequently. Well, okay, before police shootings were frequently shown on YouTube or streamed, you know, on Facebook Live of African Americans, um, and so I kind of read it without. It was just, you know, a book that I had to read in high school. But then reading it again, there's a part at the end that kind of drives a lot of action towards the end of the book. It drives the novel kind of towards its conclusion is uh, one of the members of the Brotherhood. I'm not going to go into that a lot, but his name is Todd Clifton. And he's shot by the police in New York. Um, And then there's lots of protests and they end up rioting afterwards. So even though it's written in the 50s, I think, it's still like that's something that we see happen on the news today. And, yeah, so the injustices that King is fighting against, some of them have changed, but a lot of it hasn't gone away. So what what do we take from his words in our lives today
0: yeah and i think uh, again the other thing that really stuck out to me and i feel like i knew this from studying the civil rights movement but just like how like how well informed um how well-rounded of a person martin luther king jr was just listening to him talk it was like wow like yeah not only was he a reverend right like he knows his scripture but even Mm -hmm. like the social political things like world world powers he's displaying so much knowledge anyways it just really stuck out to me um so then one thing that he talked about um i think you mentioned it already but like the idea when we spe- where we spend our money. Um, he, kind of, he kind of pleads with those listening to him and, and mm-hmm. like makes a list of companies by name um, and don't, don't put your money into that. And I think, I think that's what's interesting. And also that another thing, it is very applicable today, uh, as you alluded to, is that where we, how individually, but also corporately put our money um, has a lot of backing on what gets done. Mm-hmm. Um, which is what his point is. Uh, his point is that where our money goes drives, I think, drives essentially the government, right? Um, so by banding together and by choosing where we spend our money, who we give our money to, you're forcing kind of the higher rulers to look down and say, hey, mm-hmm. something's going on. Something is going on um in the economic environment right now.
1: Yeah. Uh yeah, his his point is that even though we might not have a lot of money individually together we're I think he said like thirty billion dollars in the economy every year. So that's that's a force that adds up. And like the company protest is such a a, like a common thing in today's culture kind of like it's not the same as i mean it's kind of the same it can get misconstrued a lot like people protesting keurig for whatever they were protesting keurig for earlier this summer um but a lot of it is if people aren't going to treat their workers right if people aren't going to obtain products or labor ethically don't purchase those products. So, I mean, that's exactly what he's telling us to, or telling the, the pastors and people in, I mean, the entire African-American population to do. Um, so, we t- I, I, I mean, that's something that still has power today. Uh, if anything, money drives <laughs> politics more. I don't know, I wasn't alive in the sixties, but um and something that I've been thinking about a lot is just the the weird power of the civil rights movement and of nonviolent protest. Um I I read Tolstoy's uh, work, What I believe so I, I attribute the, the start of nonviolent resistance to Tolstoy in the end of the, the 1800s. That's probably not true. Thoreau was writing th- similar things um, during the American Civil War um, civil dis- on civil disobedience, if you've read that. Um, Alexander Herzen, who's a Russian philosopher, says Tolstoy's interpretation of the Bible is the only original. Thing to come out of Russia, anyway. None of this is very important, but I would say Tolstoy has a very like Mennonite reading of the Bible. He likes to read it very literally, and okay, he likes to read Christ's words very literally and take them at face value and say, okay, Christ says this, let's do this. Um, so, like in the Sermon on the Mount, when Christ says don't resist evil, and if someone strikes you on the cheek, turn your other cheek to them as well. He says, okay, don't resist evil, be nonviolent, uh, don't do any harm to people, even if they're doing harm to you. So he takes that and builds his his view of Christianity from that. I will say Alexander Herzen is clearly doesn't know any Anabaptists. Um, And uh, Anabaptists got a shout-out in a crass course history. So that was pretty exciting. He said, uh, I guess Amish people won't see this, John Green, but for all the Mennonites who are watching, this open letter's for you. So I said, thanks, John Green. Anyway, where am I going with this? So uh, another thing that I read in the Bible where they say that God uses the, the foolishness of this world to put the strong to shame. And that, that's something I'd always read abstractly. Um, but if we, if we think about it seriously and think about it in terms of the civil rights movement, like the civil rights movement, isn't something that should afford it. <laughs> like. Just looking at it at at face value, it's a bunch of people who don't have any power, essentially, trying to get that power by doing nothing. There's no fighting. There's no wars. It's just people standing up for what they believe in and then getting beaten and attacked by dogs and hit by fire hoses and arrested and killed trying to just say we deserve rights as well and not resisting evil. Like, that's not something that should work. Um, but it just uh, it did in just a ridiculously powerful way. Um, it's still, I mean, the civil rights movement is like the best and worst of American history kind of all at once. Um, and it's it's something that just the, the whole world, I don't know if the whole world, that's a very American centric point of view, but anyway, I, I think that's not unfair to say the The world stops and notices that something something's going on with the civil rights movement, the, the foolishness of the world is being used to shame the strong and yeah he kind of he he talks about that in the in the speech talking about you know what they've been through and how how that changes the people who are jailing them and the people who are oppressing them
0: i think it too shows like to me it gets me excited because it shows what the power of what people of when people get behind something that God mm-hmm. cares about and goes about it in a way that's also god honoring um I think that the civil movements is such an awesome display of this um here's something right that it's like okay, they're standing up for civil rights, which is something that I think we both agree is something that God cares about mm-hmm. And they're doing it in a way that is God-honoring, that is righteous, and that is seeking to do things in a way that Christ has commanded us to do. Um, So it's just awesome to see exactly what you're talking Mm -hmm. about, right? Something that shouldn't work uh, in the eyes of this world, uh, but just like has immense power um, and immense um, uh,
1: productivity.
0: That's not the word I want to use, but, um, effectiveness. Yeah. It's just so effective because it's perfectly in line with what God has for us. Mm -hmm. Um, and again, I think it's such an amazing encouragement for me to see that in Martin Luther King, um, what he has done. Yeah. What he did, but also like, here's kind of like a framework of how to do it. Um, but again, it's just like modeling Christ, um, in the way that he's doing things. Mm -hmm. But it's, but I think if we, go back again to what you, what i was saying in the beginning right. it's impactful because right. it's it's much more tangible in a way
1: he's yeah we're less removed from martin luther king than we are from from christ uh in in like a time sense um like people who know him are still alive and in the senate um So uh, I think we – what do we do from this moving forward? How do we act – oh, I had something else that I wanted to say. Uh, I was talking to some people from Iran about the recent protests in Iran, Um, and I asked, you know, do you think that this is going to change anything? Do you think the government will actually – like positively change in response to the protests, and he said no. Like the this wave of protests happens every year, every ten years, basically in Iran, and afterwards, despite the protests, like in like to spite the protests, the government just cracks down harder, and things get worse. Um, and he says he he feels like the people of Iran can't do anything about it because there's such imbalance of power between the people and the government in Iran and I like I just look at the civil rights movement and say like don't don't doubt that things can change I mean if if anything there is as much I don't know a lot about the political situation in Iran uh, but people African Americans were not Empowered in the civil rights movement um, at the beginning of the civil rights movement, but they were able to achieve what they did in powerful ways. Um, so how do how do we continue that? How do we how do we continue to fight oppression and you know discrimination? Do we use the same tools? Are they still effective? Is just as he said he he tells the preachers you've got to have like a fire in your bones that when you see oppression you say something about it is like is that just the most important step that we can take
0: the thing that challenged me most and maybe we can find the exact quote but when he was talking about i think he was asking the people to kind of stand up um stand up for their brother um and he said a line, I hope I, I hope you can find it. Uh, he said something like Don't do the thing or don't do this thinking about my job or what it's gonna look like mm, at my mm-hmm. job. But what does it look like for that person?
1: Yeah, here it is. That's the question before you tonight. Not if I stop to help the sanitation workers, what will happen to my job? Not if I stop to help the sanitations, what will happen to my all of the hours that I usually spend in my office every day? And every week as a pastor, the question is not if I stop to help this man in need, what will happen to me? If I do not stop to help the sanitation workers, what will happen to them? That's the question.
0: Yeah, and I, I was just struck by that, and I, I think that's so such a powerful idea. And yeah. right before that, he had talked about the Good Samaritan. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes way back how many, like 2,000 years, where Jesus fir- t- first talked about it. Um,
1: no, I mean... It is a story, so I'm, like it didn't happen. Anyway. <laughs>
0: well, he did talk about it though.
1: <laughs> right, right.
0: So that so that was super challenging to me. And I think so I was thinking about or I was talking to somebody the other day and we were talking about the Me Too movement and I was even comparing it to the civil rights movement. And so when I was thinking about that and when I think about this call mm-hmm. to not think about how is it going to affect me and my actions and my attitudes, I think I think that's the thing that I'm taking away from this. It's it's not about it's not about what's going to happen to me. It's about what's going to happen to that right. person. And thinking about that person, the person next to you, the person on the street, the person you're talking to. Think about them. You know. Hmm. It's about thinking about the person, about that person, not ourselves. And then also, <laughs> as a as a white person listening to his speech, I was like, he's probably he's probably talking to mainly um, African Americans, but I think he's also calling out to those who are in power um, who are also standing up for them to use that. And so thinking about that, about the me too movement as well, it's like, okay, how can I help this issue um, and not continue to propagate it? Um, You know, you know, what can I be doing Mm -hmm. in those situations? Yeah. And I guess it's, It's just that idea, that idea of thinking about what does it mean to that person, you know, that person next to me.
1: So I guess what you're saying is it's not about specific, like, actionable steps. It's just, it's being aware of things that are wrong and then being willing and fearless to to step in and say, this is wrong, things need to change. How can I help?
0: Right, right. And I think it also takes – he also talks about in his speech. Uh, Maybe it's in the same area, but it's it's not going to happen from like a large scale. Um, It's about the people that are in the movement, right? The people who are marching, the people who are out there doing it and interacting with the people on a person-to-person level that are actually going to cause change. Um, And I think it goes back again to what I was saying earlier about why the civil rights movement was effective um it was effective because it had people who are striving to be Christ like pursuing godly goals through godly means and i think that's very powerful so yes it's about being fearless and standing up for the person next to you but it's also about doing the right thing for the right reasons and pursuing it in the right way
1: yeah uh listen to martin luther king uh and other you know other civil rights leaders uh and People who are who are leading the charge today. I the Me Too movement. I think. I mean, people are f- fighting against oppression, fighting for the same things. Um, lots of interesting stuff is happening with that right now. I so I read two articles, one on Vox about um, Aziz Ansari. If you haven't, if you're not paying attention to what's going on, it's it's a weird. Time for the Me Too movement right now because it's yeah. There's a situation with Aziza Sorry. We'll just read about it. Um, but I read a, a Vox article that's saying, okay, this probably wasn't great, but let's talk about power dynamics in dating and how that can be bad as well. And then I read another one on the Atlantic because I you know I read. The Atlantic all the time, um, saying that, you know, we shouldn't be using the Me Too movement to get revenge for bad dates, um, and then, uh, I was listening to NPR, oh, man, uh, on the way back from, from school today, uh, and they had both of the, the writers debating, um, What's, uh, what's going on with this N.Z. Sasari, wow, I think I said his name wrong there, situation. And it's been interesting because I've been watching his show. Like, I started watching it, and then this came up. And it's, like, it's it is weird because what's described in the story, like, happens exactly in different episodes of Master of None um and like Tom Haverford his character in Parks and Recreation isn't a shining example of virtue and like non-aggression in dating like the there's there's a time in Parks and Recreation where Tom Haverford says the like like the four greatest words in the English language you wore me down. And, I'm like, so, yeah, I, I mean, there's, I think both points are good. Like, if it's acceptable, like, if that approach of just wearing people down is, like, that shouldn't be acceptable, I guess, in dating. Um or it should be just frowned on. I don't know. Um but it's also there's a lot of like casualties, I guess or people were just like caught in the crossfire. Like what does happen to Aziz and sorry now if like he's not you know guilty of sexual assault in you know really terrible ways, but what happens to his career now? So, um, I don't know where I'm going with this, but I guess just, like, look into the issues and try to understand where everyone involved is coming from. Because people don't have viewpoints. Okay, some people have viewpoints for stupid reasons, but most people don't. Uh, Most people are just regular people who want to live a life they think is good and they you know they want to be free and they don't want to be uh, oppressed or taken advantage of or be assaulted and or killed or anything um, so everything is going to have a lot of nuance everything is going to have a lot of uh, complexity and nothing's going to be simple but the way that we come to a better understanding of each other and how we we you know live together is by embracing that complexity and embracing different viewpoints and i mean everyone i assume thinks that they're right but don't hold yourself in such high regard that you think no one else is right um because as a person who has thought they've been right about everything, a lot, um, it is. I'm just gonna say, if I'm a kind of a general case for that, it's usually not true, and things are usually things are usually much more complicated than you want to admit. So yeah, I guess that's about all I have to say. Uh, seek out what other people are saying, and don't just dismiss them as crazy or uh, just wrong. Understand where they're coming from before, you know, rushing to judgments about them. Um, And if you think that, you know, injustice is happening, don't be afraid. Um, Be fearless, even when things look bad.
0: So, yeah, I think uh, I think we'll wrap it up there.
1: Point oh. Uh So, Adrian, recommendations for this week?
0: Well, I kind of already said it, but go out and listen to his speech. Uh, if you got to the end of this episode and you're like, oh, I don't need to actually listen to it since they're going to talk about it. False. Go back. Listen to it. You need to.
1: I read part of it, but, like, me reading it does not – do any semblance of justice
0: (laughs) no exactly it's just so powerful it's just amazing go out there listen to this speech i've been to the mountaintop um listen to his other speeches i'm sure you've heard or seen the i have a dream line but listen to the entire thing
1: there is a whole speech around it
0: right right so and yeah it's just incredible and yeah i think Go into it with an open mind because, I don't know, I think we all know about Martin Luther King, uh, but hear him for his heart for the people he's talking to. Hear him for, he's talking to these people, these workers in Memphis, Tennessee, which are how far away from where Mm -hmm. he lived. He doesn't necessarily even know these people, but you can just hear his heart for the people he's talking to. So yeah, listen to his speech and and be inspired.
1: And then my recommendation is going to be read African-American authors, broadly um read invisible man uh it's you know over 50 years old but it's still just incredibly relevant today um read uh w.e.d. Du Bois or E.B. Du Bois um first African American to graduate um from Harvard I think maybe college just in America um kind of was a father of sociology uh he writes about the the double consciousness of african americans which plays a big part in one of 2017's best performing movies get out um so you know his his thought is still present and relevant to to people around us today so Look into what he says. Read Langston Hughes. Um, He's a poet. Um, Read um, a, uh, like, still, you know, writing person. Uh, Tanashi Coates um, at The Atlantic. He wrote something where he's, you know, he's saying that Donald Trump isn't just about white middle class voters or working class voters. He's just about white people in general. Like, imagine... Everything that Donald Trump has done, if it was done by a black person, we would never hear about him. Like Donald Trump has is basically admitted to sexually assaulting people. If that, like he says, you know, if an African American does that, they would never be president. They would never be anywhere, like remotely good in the public spotlight. Um, And Donald Trump won. Every group of white voters, not just working class white voters, um, and so my and then my, I guess, real recommendation is things fall apart by Chinua Achebe. Uh, he is from Nigeria, so he's writing this book about um, colonialism. The main character is kind of a a tribal chieftain a up-and-comer um, who he's you know he's a very inflexible guy um, very dedicated to his kind of definition of manliness which kind of destroys his life within his culture and then clashes with um, the British as they come in and establish their own government in Nigeria uh, and then I so read all those things, and then in your free time, uh, read uh, Uncle Vanya by Anton Chekhov. Because Anton Chekhov, he, these other people are masters, and they influence thought um, to this day. Anton Chekhov is also a master. Uh, his plays are beautiful, and they—I mean—they speak to a different reality that's still present today just general feeling of dissatisfaction and um loss of time just being in your life and and thinking you could do so much more with what you've been given i think that's a pretty pretty uh widespread belief um Vanya is all about that and um Yeah, so just read everything, I guess, in conclusion. But specifically, uh, in the next week, uh, Invisible Man, Things Fall Apart, Uncle Vanya, and listen to Martin Luther King Jr.'s speech.
0: Well, that's all we have for today. We'll see you next week.
1: Yep, thanks for joining us.